0: You're listening to Pastor Rory Rogers as he teaches through the book of Romans. If you have your Bibles ready, let's join him now. Focusing on verses 29 through 32, but we're going to start in verse 16 and just read uh, this incredible passage um, that will set us up for the day. It says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation For the Jew first, and also for the Greek, for everyone who believes. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and forfeited animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, To do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving unforgiving unmerciful who knowing the righteous judgment of god that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them so lord as we come to your word uh just this incredible legal document of romans that lord just indicts all men to be sold under sin, to be depraved, to be unholy, and to be wicked. Lord, we thank you that you don't just leave us there. You don't just leave us hanging. You don't just leave us with the back, the black backdrop. But Lord, you also bring the, the glorious gem of the gospel. You bring the beautiful plan of redemption of mankind. And so today, Lord, we invite you to indict us and to convict us of sin but Lord we pray by your spirit you would reveal to us redemption and forgiveness you'd show us your mercy and as we see your love towards us Lord that we'd love you back Lord that we'd humble ourselves that we'd let you transform us and Lord just today too as we're praying and we just see the depravity of man, Lord. We think of just the, the pastor in Iran, Yosef, Pastor Yosef, and and Lord, just there's depraved men that are holding him captive, just demanding him to deny Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you would be in the, the cell with him, that the Holy Spirit would empower him to be a martyr, to be a witness. Lord, we pray, yes, that you deliver him, but Lord, if it would glorify you more for him to be killed. Lord, glorify your name. Let him be a testimony to his captors and be with his wife and his two sons, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would just comfort them and be present, Lord, and give them the boldness to be able to suffer for your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. as we, you know... Prayed for Pastor Yosef, you know, uh, we see just the depravity of man, uh, that men would hate the truth of God so much and hate the the true creator and the true designer and his plan so much that, of course, they murder and they slaughter uh, those that represent the truth and have for so long. And Jesus says, you know, don't be surprised. They hated me. They're going to hate you as well. Just, you know, a brief scanning of the news of this week would show you that this sinful state of mankind, whether it's these terrorists holding uh, this pastor hostage or, you know, this week a 17-year-old girl was shoved to the ground in her school cafeteria and stabbed most, multiple times until uh, she died by her 18-year-old boyfriend uh, who also then went and stabbed a bunch of other people in the school. Uh, you know, also in California, there was a, a manhunt for a serial killer that had been lasting for a month, and it ended this week uh, in a forest as this man was uh, shot to death. And uh, you know, and so you just look at just this this evil-hearted man who has been a a murderer, a multi-murderer, and uh, and and to run from uh, you know, as a fugitive from the law. We just see, just as we look at the news, just the the wicked heart of men. Even the protesters marching against wall street yesterday who you know 700 arrested and no doubt there was some depravity and some some you know hatred hate-filled hearts in some of them some of them may have been innocent bystanders or whatever but we just see the depravity of man as we just flip on the news or read the newspaper and you know it just goes back to romans chapter one as we look at sin as we look at the fallen condition of man and we'll remember that as this is, week, or this is week 7 in Romans 1. We're, we're getting it. We're starting to learn that the root problem of our sin is that we don't want God. Period. You know, we don't want to think of God. We don't want to hear of God. We don't want to retain God in our knowledge. We don't like him and we don't want him. This is witnessed in the amount of time that we give him, the amount of resources that we give him, the amount of time that society gives him in the media. Of course, there's virtually no truth of the creator uh, preached by the media. You know, we treat our creator like dirt, even even though he's the most beautiful, important, fantastic piece of reality that there's ever been. We slander him, we mock him, we rebel against him. And man, it is by his grace right now that we are even given another breath. You know, if any one of us lasts five seconds from now uh, without being squashed by him, it's by his good grace upon us. And if one of us or all of us don't live the rest of the day for whatever reason, then we've gotten what we deserve because of our sin and our rebellion uh, against the most beautiful piece of reality the world has ever known. Now, as we've been studying Romans, and as we just read, hopefully you, you caught it in verses 19 through 21, that even though man knows in his heart that there's a creator, knowing in his heart, and it's being testified by creation all around him from the, the rising and the setting of the sun and all of its beauty to the, uh, you know, the beauty of the birds and the power of the ocean and the, you know, the majesty of the mountains, all testifying of an incredible designer with an eternal nature. But man, knowing in his heart there's a creator, has preferred and has chosen the lust of his flesh and the lusts of his heart and has gone towards worshiping the created thing rather than the creator, who, as Paul says here, is eternally blessed forever. You know, as verse 28 is, you know, man didn't like to retain God in his knowledge. So, verse 18, he suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. What truth did he suppress? That there is a God, that there is a creator. And evolution is really, you know, one of the main visible results of all of this. You know, at the heart of evolution, you know, man wasn't just really and honestly just trying to find a way to explain how everything got here. But man in their heart is trying to disprove or push out or suppress the creator. They're trying to suppress the truth so that they don't have to be accountable for their actions and for their sins. And sadly and foolishly, Man thinks they can kick the creator to the curb and just go on with life the way that it is. But the problem is, if you mess with the designer, you mess with the design. If you mess with the designer, you essentially throw out the instruction manual on how the design is to be properly used. And in that instruction manual, the first thing that it says is you must be in constant contact with the designer. You must be, don't even hang up the phone. You've got to be in constant reliance upon the power of the designer. Every morning, my kids, who are addicted to what they call hot chocolate, hot milky, or chocolate milk, Uh, you know they they wake up there's barely a hello you know and they're demanding their chocolate milk you know and so just every morning you know the routine is you know you're you're not even really there and you're just like pouring the milk in and you're putting it in the microwave and you're warming it up and yesterday I go to the microwave and I push in you know one minute 100 start and within like three seconds uh, the clock had spun down to zero and beeped the microwave didn't even turn on but the wheel was spinning you know and what the you know and did it again did it a hundred times you know hit it punched it talked sweetly to it kind of pulled the door halfway in halfway out lived it you know trying to figure out what's going on and i opened the uh microwave and there's a phone number for the maytag customer service so i call them and of course they are closed on saturdays it's not a big enough company to employ somebody to sit by the phone all weekend. But, uh, you know, I've got these little milk addicts there, very frustrated. And uh, no way to warm up stuff around our house. Right. Well, you can use fire. But, you know, but you know, just needing, needing the contact with the designer. Needing to, to know what how to do, how to make this creation work right. There's got to be a secret button somewhere or a secret code or some way to like know what's wrong with this thing and you know we we need to be in just consistent regular unceasing contact with our designer and when we kick him to the curb nothing stays the same and so God will then as we worship the creature, as we worship the created thing, the next step in the process of idolatry is being given over to our sin. God basically withdraws his common restraints and lets us have what we want. He lets us just sink into the swamp of our sin that ends in death. One man referred to it as swamp, a swamp of sin And then got a letter that week that really it's more like taffy. You know, the sin of taffy because our sin tastes so good and is so pleasurable. But just sticks and you get sucked into it and couldn't get out. But God ends up giving us what we want. And three different times you see this pattern in the chapter. We studied a couple weeks ago that, that man worships the created thing rather than the creator. Three different times we're told that in this chapter And three different times we're told that man is given up to have what they want. And then three different times we're told that man will face the judgment of that giving over. The giving over actually being the first part of that judgment. There's this not retaining God in our knowledge. There's this suppression of the truth. There's this pushing away of God. And in verse 24 and 26 and 28, it says that God gave them up to uncleanness and to lust, verse 24, to vile passions, verse 26, and to a debased mind, verse 28. Literally, chapter 1 is telling us that man put God to the test, didn't like the results, and so they abandoned God. As Job 12, 14 says, They say to God, depart from us, for we don't desire the knowledge of your ways. One woman put it that he's like the Mr. Potato Head God. You know, we like to add and take away whatever we want from our God until he's finally what we want him to be. That's not really how the God of the Bible uh, is and responds he is truth, he is holy, he is righteous, he is love, he is gracious, he's forgiving, he's merciful, but he is a just and righteous God who cannot be in the presence of sin. And so this effect of this idolatry and this giving over is seen there in verse 28, that they're given over to a debased mind, a worthless mind. As people continue to surrender to the lusts of the flesh and serve and worship the creature rather than the creator. God says, fine, you want that? You won't repent? You are being given over right now to a crazy mind, a worthless mind. And all week long, just the Lord's been showing me, actually two weeks, the Lord's just been showing me that when people and when you here today keep practicing sin, you begin to go crazy. Seriously. Biblically, you begin to have a debased mind that all the amounts of pills and all of the amounts of psychiatric care cannot help because you've thrown away your designer and you've thrown away his manual and you've said, forget you creator. I want what I want. You don't really know. And so God says, fine. Have it your way. I'm giving you what you want, a debased mind. And you guys know and you've seen it that the more people dive into their sin and wallow in their sin, the less logical they become, the less less reason they have in their minds, and really they just become weird. Really, it's weird. Your actions are weird, bro. I'm just going to be honest with you. There's no reasoning, there's no logic in what you're doing. I can tell that, that you know, you're not a, a crazy person, but this sin is making you crazy. And we need to come, and we need to repent, and we need to see what Romans chapter 12 verse 2 tells us, that no longer should we be conformed to the world and squeezed into the mold of the world, which will end in just a, a psychotic, crazy mind, a debased mind, but we need to be renewed. We need to have our minds washed in the water of the word. We spend time in the presence of the Lord and and let truth soak in. Let me just tell you, if you keep up this practice of rejecting the truth, you're going to begin doing crazy things. In studying last week for the the homosexuality study, just so crazy that that, lesbian women, are 500 times more likely to get in traffic accidents than uh, straight women. It's like, what, how, what, come on, what? And it's just like, man, when we are in our sin and we're rejecting God, we're thinking our sin, we're just consumed by sin, and, you know, homosexuality, which is that ultimate picture of worshiping the creature, something like us, exactly like me, rather than worshiping the creator... It's just this picture of, a, of just a debased mind. Just not reasoning right, not functioning right. Oh, but the beautiful gem of the gospel is that God can forgive and he can heal and he can restore and he can renew the mind by the power of his spirit. The mind that verse 28 tells us becomes debased in our wallowing of sin, not just referring to our intellectual capacity to reason, but to our will and our moral reasoning. Because God gave us over, we're unable to think rightly. Our mind was designed to do what it was called to do, and that is to worship God. That is our chief end, people, is to worship God. And when we are not worshiping, no matter what we're doing, it's wickedness, no matter what we're doing. Deuteronomy 32, reading it this week. the Man, if you're not in the center of the will of God and walking with him, if you're rebelling against him and stiffening your neck and hardening your heart to him, then man, everything you do is evil and it's vile and it's wickedness. We tend to excuse ourselves based on how we see things rather than on how God sees them. We try to analyze ourselves from a state of depravity. And I'll tell you what, if you're analyzing yourself and doing a scan with your mind, your depraved mind, am I good? Oh, I'm good. You're always going to come out with, I'm good. It feels good. It seems good. or Everything around me seems to be going well. It's pleasurable. And we're going to walk away nearly every time with a false result of the problem, with a false scan. But when we come to the perfect pure word of God and we say like David said, search me, O Lord, and try my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. The man, I'll tell you what, the scans going to come back with all sorts of, of wicked things and sinful things and lustful and unclean things. And as the Lord comes back with that scan, we can say, I see what you see, Lord. I don't want none of that. <laughs> I confess it to you. I see what you see and I repent. And Lord, I, I pray you'd even grant me repentance, that I, just I would, I would understand completely how you see these things. It's sin, and I turn from it. Here in verses 29 through 31, we see th- 23 different kinds of evil. This longest list of sin in the Bible just spread out for us. It's here that we see our total need for the gospel. And we read through it once and we're going to go through it a little slow, slower, but as we've read it once, man, we know that the wrath of God is, is upon us, as verse 18 tells us. We know that we need the gospel. We need a redeemer. We need a savior. We need this savior because our sinful condition yields 23 different just kinds of evil. And of course, this isn't the extensive list. You know, the scripture has even more than what is just here. But as one man said, this isn't merely a list of sins, but it's an array of things that flow out of the human heart when God allows us, to gives us to sink into that swamp of idolatry rather than just drinking from the fresh, Spring of worshiping him in his glory. There's a long list of sins here. To show us every kind of evil is a God issue in our lives. And before we even get into it, just do a scan and maybe take your pen and just notice these prefacing words that are used to describe these sins. Verse 18, these are ungodly things, unrighteous things things verse 20 they are futile thinking you know they're they're part of craziness foolishness and you know having a dark heart verse 20 tells us verse 24 these are things resulting from uncleanness verse 24 they are lustful and dishonorable verses 22 and 25 tells us that they are lies verse 26 and 27 say that they are vile Against nature, lustful, shameful, evidence of a debased mind, not fitting. And of course, those are referenced to homosexuality, but it's all the same thing. It's all idolatry. It's all the result of sin. de God, as we've been studying. This vice list that we're going to look at all stem from de God, making God small. Making him fit into our box. Worshipping created things rather than the designer, rather than the creator. And as we get into this, we're going to see different capacities of these sins in our lives. As we get right into verse 29, we see that, these, that we're being filled with unrighteousness. It refers to a current state of our heart. We are in this state of depravity where we are just being filled with these things. Starting off with unrighteousness, one of the words used for sin, along with iniquity. Speaking of not doing what we should be doing to fulfill righteousness. It leads into this, that we're being filled with sexual immorality. We did a deep study on what sexual immorality is in our Acts 15 study, and you can go back and listen to it online, but sexual immorality or fornication the greek word pornea it's where we get our word pornography it's this junk drawer term meaning and referring to every kind of sex outside of marriage i love that fornication is the word used because we in our depraved state and in our debased mind we try to justify our sin. You know, well, this isn't really, this technically, this sexual sin, and this, and we can create also, I mean, the, the, the filthy mind and its sin has created so many different forms of sexual sin that even if we listed everything we could think of, our filthy heart could think of something else to do and maybe get by because technically that's not mentioned in the scriptures. Well, hey, it's mentioned sexual immorality. If it's outside of marriage, it is sexual immorality and you need to repent Man, this is just a sin that so many people are lied about. You know, they lie in their heart and they receive lies from others. You know, we lie and say that we love these people, so we're going to sleep with them. We're going to live with them. We're going to act as if we're married when we're not married. In fact, we have no intention on getting married. I just honestly, ladies, you should just read between the lines. If someone wants to sleep with you and doesn't want to marry you, you got to know what's happening. There's something wrong there. you got to kick him to the curb. But we lie to ourselves. It's okay in this form and this fashion. Don't exchange the truth for a lie. Confess. I've been believing the lie, Lord. Lord, and you created sex and purity, and it's to be a picture of intimacy with Christ. That's how you designed it. Lord, we want to use it the way you've designed it, within the covenant of marriage. We're filled with unrighteousness, we're filled with sexual immorality, just that junk drawer term of every kind of sex outside of marriage that you can think of. Filled with right, uh, wickedness, just delighting in evil, evil desires, the very desire of the heart is wicked and we're just being filled up with it as we continue to worship the creature. As we continue to say, God, you don't really know. You don't really know what I want. You don't really know what I need. You don't really know. I I, I refuse to believe that what you say is true. Just being filled up with these things wickedness, unrighteousness, covetousness, and greed, maybe your Bible says. We tend to think of coveting as a lesser sin. It's been defined as it's actually an overreaching sin. It's a wanting more no matter how it is obtained. Even if it's withheld from you, you want it. It's a radical self-assertion. You desire what God has not given you. You're saying, I deserve this thing or that person, and I'm going to be radical in wanting it to getting it, even at the expense of others. Lust is kind of lumped into that category. The antonym of greed and the antonym of covetousness is benevolence, generosity, loving, and giving. Man, in our depraved state, we are so selfish. We are so self-absorbed and self-consumed that were just me, 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 And you'll notice those people that are covetousness are not very loving and giving. Malicious and evil is, is shown here in Romans. Maliciousness just speaks of this general depravity of wishing evil on others. Feeling this need to see other people suffer. It's beastly and it's bitter. It's noxious. It's the opposite of being friendly and sympathetic and thoughtful. How malicious we can be as Christians ought not be so. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. And so this first capacity of sin is that in our idolatry and in our worship and in our being given over to the lusts of our flesh and the uncleanness of our hearts and our debased mind we're just being filled up with this wickedness but then halfway through verse 29 it says that we are being full of envy we are full of it we are actually filled to the utmost or filled to the brim with envy, this displeasure that's aroused by seeing somebody have something that we want. You know it in your heart when you want something that somebody else has. And you just begin to get angry. Recently, I've had i had that sin. I don't even want to call it an emotion. It's a sin. I had that. It was so strange. What they're getting, uh, what, uh, uh, they're, even, uh, they're younger than me. I shouldn't get that. You know, just, it's like, and just immediately the Lord showed it to me. It was like, what is that? Crucify it. Kill it. Do not let your heart sit on that thought. Pluck out the eye. Cut off the hand that's causing envy. Oh, but such displeasure arises in our heart hatred arises in in our hearts and we see that person that has what we want and they're so happy oh don't you be happy around me oh but i'm so happy for you oh my knife accidentally fell into your tire the opposite of this envious to just be content content To have contentment. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Man, Paul, Jesus, you know, just great examples of being content. You know, that Paul would be able to say, I found that whatever state I'm in, I'm content. Man, if I don't have a home, I'm content. If I don't have clothes, I'm content. If I'm in the middle of a shipwreck and I'm sitting on a piece of driftwood, I'm content my stomach's rumbling i am content difference between happiness and contentment is circumstances you know our joy and our contentment doesn't matter what our circumstances we can be the poorest people on earth starving to death stuck in a blizzard haven't eaten in weeks and we can have just joy It's such a testimony to the world because the world doesn't have that. The world doesn't have that. Interesting that murder follows envy. God in his sovereignty placed it right after envy. I see what you have and I want it and I'm full of so much displeasure right now. I'm literally thinking of ways that you could die and I could get it. I'm thinking about this. This situation could happen. I could cause this to happen. Then I would finally have who I want. Or what I want. The first murder on this earth. Was the result of jealousy and envy. Between Cain and Abel. David murdered Uriah after envying his wife. This Premeditated killing of a human. (coughs) Executing somebody to get something you feel entitled to. Strife. Argumentative disposition. You are an arguer. Everywhere you go, there's a lack of harmony. There is heated arguing. There's a refusal in you to take anything but first place. Nobody else will ever be right. Not as long as I'm around. You're wise in your own opinion, as Romans 10 says. Don't be wise in your own opinion. You're constantly irritated. You have this spiritual pain of anger just going up your back, causing you to be angry at people. And you're just always arguing. There's, just a, there's a, a tempest everywhere you go. Deceit. Fraudulent deceit, treachery for your own gain. And as you read these lists of, of sins that flow from the heart of idolatry, then you've got to read Philippians chapter 2. That the heart would be in us, that's in Christ Jesus, and that we would not look for our own good. We wouldn't have selfish ambition and a desire to see ourselves ex- succeed especially at the expense of others. We wouldn't be conceited, but we'd be like Jesus who had all the rights in the world to get the best and the first things. And he laid down his life and he humbled himself. Malice, evil-mindedness, Just this desire to harm people. Two times, malicious or malice is used in this chapter. You think God's trying to get a point across to us? Even in the way we talk about people, which we'll get into, there's just malice behind it. We want to see other people suffer. We want to see them put in their place. And man, we are full to the brim of these things. Then we're told that they are actually whisperers full to the brim of it, just you are. You are a gossip. This is your action. This is your identity. This is your character. And you dare not publicly proclaim the evil that you speak of these other people, but you'll whisper it into the ears of others, won't you? And we love it. I love it. Dang it, I love it. Proverbs 26, 22 says, the words of a tale bearer are like tasty trifles, you guys know I like tasty trifles, and they go down to the inmost body. Oh, in our sin, we love it, don't we? With our kids, always looking for teachable moments, and reading through the Proverbs with Russell this week, Proverbs 26, telling him about, you know what a talebearer is? You know what a gossip is? Luckily, that morning, we had watched Dumbo together that is a phrase that you just heard. Luckily that morning we had watched Dumbo together. And there's this teachable moment in Dumbo where within the uh, circus tent, all of these lady elephants are circling around and, you know, at first they'd seen Dumbo come and he was so cute and they loved, his name was Jumbo Jr. actually at the time, And he's there and he's got his ears hid behind his head and then his ears pop out as he sneezes. Oh, and those lady elephants, they just began to be malicious towards Mrs. Jumbo and Jumbo Jr. And they nicknamed Jumbo Jr. Dumbo. That's where he got the name, in case you were wondering. Write that in your notes. Okay? And you guys know, the, you know the, the tent eventually lights on fire, and Mrs. Jumbo's enraged, and blah, blah, blah. And she gets thrown into solitary confinement. And, you know, I'm telling Russell, remember how all this happened? But do you remember how all those lady elephants got in a circle? And they just started talking about Mrs. Jumbo and Dumbo. You remember how that one lady elephant picked up with her trunk the other lady elephant's ear? Well, I heard she's in solitary confinement. Oh! Oh! You know, I was just like, son, we cannot be doing that. We cannot be whispers. We cannot be whispering about people. In situations, we just cannot be doing it. Vine's Dictionary says that gossipers are those who secretly convey information, whether true or false, that is detrimental to the care of others. And it's, of course, in every church, it's rampant. It's rampant in our church. And, you know, it creeps into my life. You know, I'll be sitting there and having fellowship, and you know, someone's name is brought up. It's usually Kevin. (laughs) You know, start talking, you know. Oh, it's usually, yeah, okay, yeah, situation happened, and yeah, but I don't know if I like that Kevin did that, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And, And pretty soon, you know, you're just like, oh my gosh, it's happening. It's happening. we're we're gossiping now we're moving into gossip we're oh no you know and man just we need to be so quick to just whoa oh oh, okay okay we all do it okay right whoa let's stop for one second you guys see we're moving into gossip and i'm right there let's let's just stop it right now i don't want to poison your well towards anybody i don't want to poison your heart towards somebody and I, I'm starting to do that, or, or you're starting to do that, and it's okay, I do it too. Let's just stop, okay? Let's stop. Let's, let's just pray, Lord, forgive us, and we just pray over the situation that you would just be exalted and glorified and help us to just love and not gossip, you know. Amen. Okay, we just got to get better at that. We got to get better at stopping the sin. And I'm, I'm right there. Today's vernacular is, you know, trash-talking. Just trash-talking people. Jesus tells us, hey, you know what? Things that are whispered in secret are going to be shouted from the rooftop. You know, in this day and age, what he's saying is, you know, you're going to send out an email of gossip to somebody and accidentally send it to that person. Anybody had that happen? You wouldn't believe what Blaine did the other day. (laughs) Sends it to Adam Barney and accidentally, ah, you know, there's no unsend button on our gossip. Man, we've got to just be so quick to, oh, uh, uh, man, let's just, let's, let's just not go there. 2 Timothy 2.16 says that we need to shun and profane, or shun profane and idle babblings, or King James Version, vain janglings. Just be funny with it. Oh, we're starting to vain jangle. <laughs> I'm starting to, sorry. You know, David said in the Psalms that I need a guard. At the door of my mouth. Lord, set a guard there with a sharp spear. And when this tongue starts to sit, get back in your cage, you know? Holy Spirit, be the door of our lips. We are whisperers. Backbiters. That's stabbing somebody in the back. It's slander is what it is. And it's doing the exact same thing that gossips do, except they're not afraid to say it publicly. And often the justification in a slanderer's heart is they'll say, hey, at least I said it publicly. Or I would tell this to them to their face. Well, have you? It's kind of awkward, you know? And we just begin to slander each other and, and say it publicly Might be something that's true, but it's detrimental to the welfare of the other person, even in the way you're communicating it. Haters of God. This is lacking a fear of God. And obviously, in the context of the whole chapter, it's just somebody that, man, you won't be my creator. You won't be the one I'm accountable to. No, God. Violence or insolent. Treating others evilly. Insulting people and mistreating people. Injuring others. Maybe not even physically. Proud. Just proud is evidence of a debased mind of foolishness. It's arrogance. It's even in your thoughts that you presume presume yourself to be better than everyone else. You're placing yourself as a God. Assuming you're better than everybody else. One thing that the Lord absolutely hates is a haughty look. A haughty look. It's amazing that, you know, you can just be going about your life and the Lord will say, Rory, I'm noticing a haughty look in you. It's happening this year. So I'm trying to just be like, how do you walk not haughty? <laughs> you're not a haughty. Go back to the middle school days of just nobody awareness whatsoever. you know But the opposite of being proud and haughty is humility, meekness, putting others first. And man, we need brothers and sisters at home groups and in core groups and in the seniors' ministry, and at youth group. guys, youth confront each other in our, in our sin and love, man, I'm just going to be honest with you. You're a gossip. Please stop. You're poisoning my well every time I'm around you. I want to be honest, man. You are just, you're very boastful. It's a sin against the Lord. I just encourage you. Can I pray for you? Let's repent Is my encouragement to you today. Some of the weirdest people in the Christian community are those that have no accountability. We assume that we're God and we've never done any, every single one of us has sin in our life that we need a brother or sister to just say, man, can I be real with you? And because I love you, I see this in you. It's not bringing glory to the Lord. And man, just, I wanna, I wanna not judge you and condemn you in it, but I wanna come alongside you and help you get out of it. Boasters, constantly bragging about themselves. Me, me, as my favorite comedian Brian Regan says, you know, they're me monsters. Me. Here's the things you've done, and here's what I've done. Here's what I've done this. You've done this, I've done this, you know. Just bragging. And how often, as Christians, we can even be telling stories about, yeah, I was out street witnessing the other day and totally, you know, witnessing to people, and I'm pretty brave, you know, at street witnessing. I don't really get scared much. I can go up to people, and it's like, all of a sudden, this story became about you. I don't even know what happened to Jesus in the whole story. Man, we avoid the boasters. We avoid the self-righteous who steal the glory from God. God did something and we brag about it. In the world, they're always affirming themselves. But man, we are to walk in humility and give glory to God. Inventors of evil things. Your mind goes wild. But this is more than just parachute pants, hydrogenated oils, and some prime mortgages. This is more than WMDs and Agent Orange. This is inventing things, just enjoying finding new ways of injuring people. It can be with our words. As the Phillips translation says, their minds team with diabolical invention. <laughs> you know. I know what I can do. Man, Facebook is just the place, right? I'm going to put a random little phrase out there to just bash on somebody. Just inventing all sorts of, of wicked things. We have this group of sin next that it's just sin that affects even the family structure. Disobedient to parents. And especially you high schoolers, middle schoolers, and, and younger. Those of you that haven't left the house yet. Man, I pray that the Holy Spirit would strike a sobriety in you. At the depth of wickedness in dishonoring your father and mother. That in the law, you'd be stoned to death in the streets. If you were caught doing with what a lot of you do into your parents, the way you talk to them, the way you treat them, your gestures towards them, it is not okay. It is sin. And if you continue, you're going to become more and more foolish, more and more crazy, more and more depraved. I remember when I was in middle school, and those were my tough, real tough years uh, with mostly my mom. And when, you know, in my pride and thinking I knew better than everybody else, most seventh graders do know more than most people. Um, But I would get grounded mostly from TV and, you know, I had to write Ephesians six, one through three out like a hundred times before I'd get an hour of TV restored. And obviously you can tell what my God was, was TV at the time, but Writing out, children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. It's right. There is a truth. Don't suppress that truth. When you're disobedient to your parents, you are lying to yourself. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise. That it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Man, there is healthiness and obeying moms and dads and honoring them, giving them the highest respect that you can give a human being. Man, we think of the Medal of Honor and just someone that won that because of just going above and beyond the call of duty in the military and in warfare and just conquering fears. And just, man, if I met someone with the Medal of Honor, gosh, I would really love to spend some time with that guy and just ah, honor him, not worship him, but just honor him. And to have have the same respect towards our parents. You will never find anybody in the world that loves you more than your mom or your dad or that cares more. And pray for them because they're just people. The very next verse in Ephesians says, And and parents, don't provoke your children to wrath. Because we're just sinners as parents. But children, obey those parents. Undiscerning, this affects the family structure. For those of you that just are foolish and without understanding and unintelligent, there's no discernment because you've been given over to your sin. Your moral reasoning is incapacitated because you're unwilling to listen to God. Your brain doesn't even function right anymore. And that the Holy Spirit might just show you, man, I have just been making really foolish decisions. God has given me over to this, a debased mind. And that today he would renew your mind. Just confess to him, Lord, in my disobedience, I've become undiscerning. I'm just making the dumbest decisions. And today you can repent of your sin and have your mind just begin. Today can be the first day that the renewal of your mind takes place. Untrustworthy. Again, affecting the family structure, literally this person is a covenant breaker, treacherous, dangerously unstable and unpredictable. And to just be going through the grief of hearing of friends whose, whether the husband or the wife, just comes home from work one day and says, I don't love you, I've never loved you, get out of my house. And, and many of us have, you know, either had that happen to us or have walked through that with somebody People that have been married for 15 years and that a spouse could come in and just say, I don't love you. And I'm not going to hear anything you have to say. I don't want to hear it. I'm not going to listen to the scriptures. And you know what that is? You know what that heart is that would say that, that would be a covenant breaker? It's someone who has been giving for a long time, giving into sin, exchanging the truth of God for a lie. Worshipping the creature rather than the creator. Worshipping that man, another man or another woman or another idea of whatever, coveting and envying and just deeper and deeper and deeper. Just that the mind can't even reason. Covenant breakers. Unloving. I call this the unverse, verse 31. Undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving. Failure to show the right kind of affection. Within a family relationship, appropriate love and affection, physical and emotional. I'm just so sad to hear how many dads don't ever tell their sons that they love them. Their whole life will go by. I can't kiss my son enough. I can't tell him I love him enough. There's no doubt I know that he knows I love him. Unmerciful, showing no mercy, passing by someone while they're in pain or dying or in need or broken down on the side of the road. All of these things are symptoms of de-godding God, and no one is left outside of the camp. And every one of these sins is a God issue. Our murder numbers in America, it's a God issue. The political deceit, God issue. Gossip behind people's back, a God issue boasting in ourselves, it's a God issue. God is not in the right place of our hearts. You're disobedient to your parents? You have other gods in your life, and you're one of them, and you need to repent. You're a covenant breaker with your marriage vows? You have another God in your life. Good news is there's a solution. There's a solution to all of this, and the book has the solution. This church is all about the solution, the reversal of all of these things by the spirit of God, the reversal of the wrath of God upon the unrighteous. And verse 17 tells us what it is. It's from faith, having faith in the good news of the gospel that even though we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even though the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life. There's a solution, and it's from faith today, verse 17 tells us, to faith tomorrow, to faith the next day. Having faith in the the redemption of God. There's a reversal of the wrath of God against us, and it's in this moment called justification. When we first put our faith in Christ, he justifies us, just as if we never sinned. Then, not only is there a reversal of the wrath of God being upon us, but there's a reversal of this handing over to sin in this swamp back to truth and to purity. As Romans 6.17 says, God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin sucking into that swamp, yet you obeyed from the heart by faith that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, having been set free from this swamp of filth, you became slaves of rightness. There's also a reversal of this depravity of mind. And I truly believe that the more somebody spends time, somebody spends in the presence of Jesus, the more there's this renewal of the mind. In all ways, shapes, and forms. That doesn't mean that someone that has a genuine mental illness, you know, maybe the Lord would continue to let them have that thorn in their flesh that he could be glorified in that. But there will be more joy. There will be more discernment. There will be more wisdom. Because it's all fruit of having the Holy Spirit in us. One man said God has ordered and provided this reversal from sin to truth and to purity. In his provision of rightness, clothing us, handing us over to the truth, our minds gradually become renewed so that this list of 23 sins becomes 20 or 22, <laughs> 21, 20, less and less and less. And there will be more and more evidence of the triumph that's showing we are born of God. Sin begins to lose its power, And we are able to fight to the end with measures of triumph that show we're born again. Verse 32 tells us, and Stuart, you can come on up, that all of those that are doing these sins, verse 32, they know the righteous judgment of God. That those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. You know, this chapter tells us that we know we have a creator. God has shown it to us. We know that he has divine nature and just an eternal, he's an eternal being. We're without excuse in our knowledge that there's a God. But verse 32 tells us not only do we know there's a God, but that he's a just God. And by the Holy Spirit convicting us, we know if we continue on in these sins, there will be death. There will be death. And that's a wonderful thing because as we're witnessing to people, we can witness to them. And however the argument ends up going, we can just come back to, hey, you know what? I'm just, can I just share something with you? Where I'm coming from, where I, what I think is truth, what I've found to be truth, is you know in your heart, deep down in there, there's a creator. And you know in your heart what his righteous standards are you're convicted when you do things wrong you know you have that that prick from the holy spirit telling you that you're in sin and you know that you'll be judged you know it no i don't i don't know that and people really don't know that okay okay whatever you can but i'm just going to say this go away from here and just with a tiny bit of faith as much as you can just pray lord if what that crazy street witnesser preacher guy was telling to me is true if you're out there lord show me am i am i really have i worshiped other things am i depraved will i be judged man the holy spirit's going to speak to that individual and they will come to a point one day well they will remember and you can say this remember this there's redemption in the blood of jesus just come to jesus God's already done more than half the work for us in our evangelizing. People already know there's a God. People already know that they're sinners. People already know that they're gonna be judged. We get to come and tell them that there's a redeemer, that there's redemption. We're gonna close there this morning and why don't we just put our things aside. We're gonna have communion and do about three songs. And as we go to worship, let's just bow our heads and just move to prayer. Lord Jesus, in this room, in my heart, Lord, I've seen it. Instances of malice and gossip and anger and just murder in my heart towards somebody. Sexual immorality and lust in my heart that Jesus calls adultery. And, and in all of us, Lord, there's just sin. And we've been convicted today on one or more levels. We've been convicted of our sin. but Lord, we love the gospel. As verse 16 says, we're not ashamed of the gospel because it has the power to save us. It has the power to save us and bring us away from sin. It has the power to make us clean and white and Lord, to renew our mind. We're not ashamed of this glorious gospel. Today, Some in this room, for the first time, you can pray this prayer out to the Lord. And some just maybe just in response to the word, you can just cry out, that Lord Jesus, today you've convicted me of sin. But I can just see how my mind, I exchange truth for lie, and there's this battle that's going on. And and for some, I don't even have a battle, Lord. I just, I love the lie. But Lord, you've shown me my depravity and my sinful state. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me. Thank you for shedding your blood on the cross so that my blood wouldn't need to be shed. Thank you for being the substitute for me, the atonement for me. Wash me of my sins that I might be white as snow. Forgive me of my sins. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Fill me with your spirit that I get a victory over gossip and pornography and visual lusting and covetousness and wanting that pickup and wanting that boat and wanting that mountain bike and wanting that just that person or that thing. Forgive me of covetousness and envy and Murder in my heart or murder physically. Forgive me of these things, Lord. Save me today. Forgive me today. And there's those of you here today that you kind of are puffing yourself up because you've never murdered anyone and you're not really very covetousness and you don't, you don't really talk to people and you don't really gossip much and you just have kind of puffed yourself up in your righteousness and that's a sin as well. Don't let, the, don't let the enemy come in and dress like an angel of light and fool you to think that you are good. Your heart is deceitful. You are desperately wicked. And you are just as much in need of a savior. And that you would fall on your face today and say, I I too am dead in my sins. Even the sin that would say, I don't need you, God, because I'm good enough. Get right with the Lord today. Confess your sins, repent of your sins, receive forgiveness by faith. And as we come to the communion table, and as you take the, the bread and the cup, and you just go back, just spend time confessing sin to the Lord. You might even go and get a brother or a sister, and just say, Man, here's what I'm struggling with. Will you pray for me? I've been in sin. James tells us that healing comes when we do that. Maybe you've sinned and gossiped against a brother here, and maybe you've just been bitter and malicious towards them, and there's no secret about it. And you could just go and just ask for forgiveness. But before you take, partake, Confess your sins. Get right with the Lord. Receive forgiveness. Lord, we thank you for your blood, and we thank you for your body, broken and shed for us, that we wouldn't need to be broken, that our blood wouldn't need to be shed. We worship you as we commune with you today. You've been listening to Pastor Rory Rogers, pastor of Calvary Chapel of Crook County, located in Prineville, Oregon. For more information on this ministry, or if you'd like to contribute, please feel free to write us at P.O. Box 378, Primeville, Oregon, 97754, or check us out further at our website at www.calvarycrookcounty.com. We thank you so much for listening, and we pray that this ministry has blessed you.